what's the, how to pronounce your last name? Mohanty. Mohanty. Yes. So how to pronounce your whole name? Abibsha Mohanty. Abibsha Mohanty. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Hello, this is uh, It's Mental Comedy. Uh, today I'm very, very honored to have a fellow Indian female comedian here. Abisha Mohanty. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Abisha really, really killed my name. Well, that was the best pronunciation ever. Really? No, no okay. I was being sarcastic. Okay. <laughs> could, could, could you please uh, introduce you a bit? So the correct pronunciation is Abibsha Mohanty. Abibsha Mohanty. Oh, that's I can, not bad. I can totally <laughs> pronounce it. Yeah. And uh, I'm from India. Uh, I moved to Berlin a year ago and I'm super new to comedy and I'm fucked in the head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, how do you mean uh, fucked up in the head? Um, I am depressed, uh -huh. I think, <laughs> um, but I have never you know, had any um, consultation or never saw a therapist. But no, I'm unable to sleep at night. I have all the symptoms and I'm fucking sad about everything. But mm. there's nothing I have done about it other than talking about it through my comedy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, pretty fucked up childhood and uh, growing up in an Asian country, basically. Uh, <laughs> Same sort of traumas. It is. It's growing up in Asia is extremely traumatizing if you don't have a penis. I can't. <laughs> I can advocate for that. Yes. Yeah. If you have a penis, go to Asia. <laughs> you have a wonderful life. But if not, then stay here. Stay here. Be safe. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you you said you start comedy. When did you start comedy? Um, 27th of January last year. So 27? Like I got like, six months of stage time before everything shut down. Oh, cool. Yeah. I only saw you, I think, in, in summer last year. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, we haven't met. We have mm. only met a couple of times yeah. during gigs, but, mm. you know, lockdown. The the first time I saw saw her uh, in in comedy clubs, I was so mad. I was like, no, not, not the only one anymore. <laughs> Fuck her. Fuck her. And then I saw you perform. I was like, okay. Oh, it's good. It's good to have someone who's Thank good. <laughs> but then I heard your podcast, the one that you did with Dragos, and mm -hmm. I could relate to so much stuff that you say about Asian culture, and mm -hmm. I was like, okay, maybe you're not so different. It's the same shit, basically. Yeah. Yeah, actually, before uh, the recording, we briefly talk a little bit. I have a strong feeling that she's an Indian copy of me. <laughs> <laughs> Just with more better software engineering skills. That's true. Yeah. Did not go far from the stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> Probably so, that's why I'm doing comedy so mm. that not everyone, you know, people say that no, not in, all Indians are software developers. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so, so when yeah. did you start to realize you have some issues mentally? It started really young. Like, mm. uh, I was getting bullied at school mm -hmm. for not being very pretty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And then at home, um, you know, like how violence is so much glorified in our culture. Like mm -hmm. it is super normal for parents to beat up their children for stupid, silly things. So I wasn't happy at school. I wasn't happy at home. And I used to get all these suicidal thoughts all the time. Um, so, yeah, I realized it very young. And then I, when I turned 15, I left my parents' place and moved uh, to a boarding school that slightly you know made my situation better but when you don't have an emotional support it's, it's still fucked up mm -hmm. uh, i have got social skills it, it is easy for me to make friends mm -hmm. it's really difficult for me to talk about things mm -hmm. you know i don't talk about my emotions or how i'm feeling to not neither to my parents nor to my friends it's just it all started when i started doing the dark comedy mm -hmm. specials for yeah. dragos that's when yeah. I, I actually spoke about mm -hmm. things that i was going through yeah even right now i'm feeling a little weird talking about mm -hmm. all this so yeah i definitely want to talk about it more through mm -hmm. therapy and not only through my comedy yeah yeah so before you found comedy how did you deal with your emotions did i ever deal with it no Mm -hmm. No, just uh, you know, getting high or mm -hmm. 
uh, pretending to be happy and you know, just numbing that side of me. That, okay, I, I'm thinking of all these things. I should do something to forget about it. So, yeah, I basically didn't do anything about it and I still can't sleep at night and mm-hmm. still fucked. A part of me will always be fucked. I, I, I disagree about that. I, I think um, I thought about this uh, a few years ago too, but I think uh, there's other side of it. Like you, you never can get back a good your childhood. You can never yeah, re yeah. relive that life. But uh, I think uh, lots of trauma can be uh, cured over time, and uh, you can also use it uh, for your advantage. Yeah. Uh, for example, um, now knowing that uh, you what you've been through and it is some. A bad circumstance, bad environment, bad culture, bad practice have made you suffer so much. Uh, by talking about it, you can help others. So yeah. over time, maybe you think once the pain is gone, you can see the bright side of it. That's true. But in our culture, especially, mm-hmm. like depression is not a topic that people talk about. Mm-hmm. Like mental illness means you're crazy. You're yeah. seeing a therapist. People are making fun of you. Yeah. So nobody is comfortable about talking about their feelings. Like mm-hmm. it's not a thing that you discuss your feelings yeah. with your parents or your friends. You just yeah, fun and games. But you nobody talks how they're feeling. Yeah. I think like uh, I think most people I know in China in their life they probably have never talked about feelings. <laughs> they just power through. Depression is a lot like sex. <laughs> Indian parents don't know their children are having it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. People don't realize we have it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think the advantage of having some mental illness is that uh, you are more sympathetic. Yeah. Of course, you also can be a psychopath. <laughs> uh, that's another topic. But for example, I, I realized once I realized I have mental illness, People are more open to talk with me. They feel safe. Yeah. They tell me all their like uh, dark secrets and the sad childhood because I I understand. But I also know people that uh, when others talk about uh, depression or whatever, they would say, "Why don't you just go talk with your parents? Then you'll feel happy." It's uh, so weird for me when people <laughs> say that they actually share things with their parents. I'm like, Really? You talk to your parents? I mean, I understand they talk with their parents. That means they have a happy family. Good for yeah. them. But uh, the fact that they suggest it to you means that, oh, they probably don't understand that for many people, they don't have the privilege to have a good family, exactly. which can give you emotional support. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the kind of sympathy we have, that uh, we wouldn't say naive things to hurt people even further. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I've never had you know any mm. confrontation with my parents, so mm-hmm. it's just so fake. I talk to them every day. Mm-hmm. We just talk about regular things. Like, How are you? Have you eaten? How many corona cases? What the we- what is the weather like? Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. We never discuss feelings. Of, you know, all these things happened with me. Mm-hmm. Like, this was wrong. I want to mm-hmm. talk to mm-hmm. them about it, but I'm just too afraid that I would hurt them. And so we're all just pretending. It's just. Mm-hmm. What has happened to you? Um, like my father is a very violent person. Mm-hmm. He's although he's not an alcoholic, but he's. I think it's, it comes from again his childhood or something. Mm-hmm. So he's a very violent person. He used to you know beat me until I was twenty or something. Mm-hmm. And um, same with my sister. But then I kind of was very protective about mm-hmm. my sister, so that stopped. However, like now he just talks to me like all these things did not happen like. Mm-hmm. I was so fucking suicidal when I was in school. Uh, getting bullied at school, getting beaten by parents. What do I do? Where do I go? But we just never talk about it. He's just like, yeah, that was pretty normal. Was that Be- how- like when you were beaten at school, he told you it's normal. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like even he's beating me up. Mm-hmm. Teachers are beating me up. Friends are bullying me. Like everything mm-hmm. is fucking normal. Mm-hmm. Like how? Why are we not talking about it? Even now we don't talk about it. Like they think it is normal. Yeah, it's uh, true. Like for me, like I, I really can resonate with this. I was bullied a lot at school, and uh, then when I was beaten almost to death at school, I go home 
talk with my mom, she said, why they only beat you? Exactly. It is always your fault, your mm-hmm. child's fault. Yeah. Whatever. Plus, you're a woman, so whatever you do, it's your fucking fault. Yeah. They were like, why you fight back? Exactly. Like, if you are a girl, girl, why you fight back? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's always like mm. all these things decided how women should behave in our mm-hmm. society. Oh, it's it's so fucked. I don't see myself living in India ever again because mm-hmm. of all these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, women will always be second class citizens in India, mm-hmm. no matter what you achieve, unless you have a good marriage and a child. And everything done before 30 mm-hmm. you're never going to fulfill your parents dreams. yeah I, I i do do you fear that like in in china it's the same they have a term called the leftover girl okay. so it's basically like a <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> oh, oh i don't want to be a leftover girl you are you are <laughs> so basically as long as you are like a young uh, 25 yeah. and not married you are the leftover food on the table. Whoever wants can just take you. And the oh. funny thing is that. Oh man. Like, <laughs> sounds horrible. They don't allow you to date. They don't allow you to have a relationship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I remember the first, second year of university, she, they would say, oh, don't date anyone because anyway, after graduation, you'll go to different cities. It won't last. So don't waste your time to date anyone. Mm-hmm. Then. As soon as you graduate from university, they ask you, why are you not married? <laughs> like, so lots of girls, they grow up being really, really separated from guys because from a very young age, they probably want you to be close with the other gender yeah. to make sure you are pure, you are innocent, yeah. you have good value. Uh, until like you are 21 or 22 then they ask you to get married before 25 yeah. but you never have friends from the other gender you don't know how to communicate with them you don't know how to hang out with them how can you so fast just get used to things and make friends have close relationship and get married and it end up with lots of marriage is not based on communication yeah and they just live in the same house like not communicating at all yeah. and this is uh, like a vicious cir- circle for more and more unhappy families that's how mm-hmm. i mean we have the concept of arranged marriages like yeah. your parents are your tinder basically mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just don't know this person you get mm-hmm. married what if he turns out to be a shitty person you just mm-hmm. have to live with him forever because divorce is again a taboo in india mm-hmm. there's so many people say the divorce flow rates are so low in india but the reason is people don't want to get divorced because they would be treated mm-hmm. as a bad person in society like women would always be mm-hmm. you know blamed but with the arranged marriage can you actually like meet and talk and to have a like a communication before marriage? this is a new concept it is mm-hmm. happening now like mm-hmm. your parents find a guy then you talk to find them on facebook or instagram mm-hmm. and talk to them for a while before you get married uh-huh. all that so basically they pick a person that you have to fall in love with uh-huh. yeah <laughs> you will get a certain point amount of time like six months take six months fall in love with this guy and <laughs> get married <laughs> again it's shitty but at least you're getting to know the person you know actually i i i grew up also mm, have low self esteem yeah uh, because Tell like your family don't love you yeah uh, and uh, you are not uh, being cherished you are not told that you are special so your self worth is so low yeah. so you watch so many like uh, uh bollywood movies hollywood movies all about falling in love then you re- think your self value comes from someone love and yeah. a, a man loves you then you can value something yeah, yeah. and uh, uh so i wanted this so much at a young very young age but because i wanted it so much and i was a fat kid so i got uh, got rejected all the time then i wanted more <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a circle of rejection and uh, self hurting and harming yeah. um but but i really in china we also have this arranged marriage concept like a blind date arranged by your family Oh, okay. To be honest, if if I could, I would, because I wanted a family. I want a man so much. Okay. But in my case, I couldn't do it because, um, you know, arranged marriage is all about the caste and the oh, uh, social yeah, class. Yeah, yeah. And the, yeah. in your case, your your family are wealthy, well educated, so you can find someone who's like with a good background. 
But I, my family is like from the really city poor, like from the ghetto, okay. and the, my mom is handicapped. So mm -hmm. my my family is like quite fucked, uh, <laughs> and also my mom is single. Then okay. plus I'm a fat kid. Uh, I'm fat, and uh, in Chinese sense, I'm super fat, and I'm very short. Also, I have dark skin, so everything combined. You have dark skin. Yeah, in, in, Chi yeah, oh, in Chinese sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like uh, in Chinese, <laughs> light skin means white, whiter than white people. Yeah. And this fucking beauty standards. Like, yeah. In India, there's in school books, mm -hmm. there's this picture of a white woman and a brown woman, mm -hmm. and it's written beautiful girl, ugly girl. That's how you learn. You. Mm -hmm. From your childhood, you learn that fair is beautiful, brown is ugly. So uh, it's a fucking brown country. Why do you teach this in school? Yeah, because they just, I don't know. They just want you to feel bad. Like in, in China, it's the same. We have a sentence that say, if someone is uh, fair, there's no way they can be ugly. So like girls, they, they it's just, the unrealistic uh, beauty standards tortures the little girls yeah, yeah. and we are so self-aware with our look yeah. and uh, keep beating ourselves down while we could be reading, we could be uh, writing music or whatever, having fun but uh, we were thinking about our looks so much but uh, we are not uh, being able to be reproductive for so many more years Why we were thinking about something would only matter when you find a match when you are 20 years old, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> no wonder we all grew up with low self-esteem. How do we cure that? Like, it, it, I, I keep dating all these fucked up toxic men because of my low self-esteem. Like, mm -hmm. It definitely has been better after I started doing stand-up, but mm -hmm. I dated some really shitty men trying to, you know, desperate for mm -hmm. love, mm -hmm. get loved and all that. And, uh, why was I dating abusive alcoholics for fuck's sake? It comes from my fucking low self-esteem. I like. Do you consider to go to see a therapist? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I do. I mean, I did not know it's free with public insurance. I always thought if it's public insurance, I have to pay a lot of money. In Germany, uh, you can the insurance covers your therapy uh, cost, but not all therapies are covered by insurance. Okay. So that means if you have public insurance, it will take you a bit more time to find one who can take you. But eventually, if you find this therapist, uh, you can uh, go there uh, with insurance covered course. And also, there's another regulation. Um, if you keep getting rejected by therapist, if you get rejected five times uh, and you put the proof to your public insurance company, then they'll be obligated to cover your private uh, therapist. So what oh, you okay. should do is that basically a Tinder approach, write email to all the therapists there is, and uh, write email to them, say, could you please take me? Okay. And uh, eventually you'll get more than five rejection. Then you collect those rejection, send it to, to your public insurance, okay. and then they will say, okay, uh, because uh, you all, clearly demonstrated there's uh, difficulties for you to find a therapist so we will cover your private therapy money oh yeah not many people know it but now you know <laughs> <laughs> this is this has been a useful podcast <laughs> yeah and uh, and uh, like it's uh, it's just so transformative to to see a therapist it's very nervous about talking to another person about yourself like you bear your soul no like i'm just i grew up as a lonely kid like i'm mm -hmm. the only child my my mom never had attention for me because she was busy about like supporting the family i my father doesn't talk with me i i'm a outsider at school i'm i'm not loved by by guys so I'm just being lonely the whole time. Then finally there's someone sitting there and have to listen to me to talk. I just talk. It's and great. And she's not judging you, which is great. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I still think she judges me, but whatever. Really? Um, I think maybe she judges me a bit, okay. but also there's lots of things come from my own projection. Okay. Yeah. Because be. when you, for example, um, when yourself is judging yourself, 
And then you think everyone yeah. is judging you. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> but uh, talking with therapy is really great. I think it's not only about... It, it, sometimes it's, it doesn't even matter about uh, if the therapy themselves is good. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you sit there, you need to dealing with your emotions, you talk, it's, it's good already. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I barely talk about all these things. Mm-hmm. I, I did not talk about you know, all the mm-hmm. fucked up things that happened to me in my mm-hmm. childhood mm-hmm. Um, until I started comedy. Mm-hmm. So I did talk about it to few close friends, but, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> no, I'm still not opening myself up to people. I just don't feel comfortable. I, I, I totally understand you. I, I think I... I, I just said like uh, my, my family is fucked up and how poor they are and my mom is handicapped. I only be able to talk about it until maybe like one year after I start to do comedy. Okay. Because uh, growing up in an environment, I feel so much shame. Like uh, uh, my mom spent all she can to put me into the good schools. And uh, that means in my real life, in my actual life, people around me, they are all like uh, uh, labor workers, like police people in the in the society. Um, uh, I grew up in a sweatshop. And then on the other hand, I go to school where it's this middle class uh, uh, world and everyone, their fa- family are educated, have good jobs and have both parents and they financially were doing well. So, Every day I go to school, it's like a switch. It's like a different, uh, uh, different words, different yeah. world. But at that age, I didn't know, and yeah. I didn't know this is not normal. And uh, no one told me, but I learned it very fast that I have to hide. I have to pretend I'm yeah. like them. Yeah. But uh, but uh, uh, over time, it just become a habit that I would not talk about my family. I would not share details to people yeah. because. As soon as I share some details, I, I can really feel the judgment and yeah, people are shocked. Oh. What? What? <laughs> like they and also China is a very homogeneous society. So anything different than than the norm. Yeah. Is, it's your I, fault. It's just Asian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very Asian. Like. But I'm so surprised though because India is actually more diverse than, than China because of different religions. Sure it is. But mm-hmm. I mean, to start with, like freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. Unlike China, it is a constitutional right of Indians. Yeah. But three weeks ago, this comedian was put in prison and he still hasn't got bail because he mm-hmm. spoke about, I mean, some Hindu gods or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. He joked about it. Mm-hmm. There is no fucking freedom of speech. It's just in the constitution, but it's not happening. But can you, uh, uh, for example, I watch a weird ass. Okay. Uh, amazing comedian. I love him. Oh, Real ass. Please so invite yes. me. <laughs> <laughs> he's fun. He's so cool. Yeah. Have you watched his uh, uh, for India? Yes. Yes. The one he shot in three different places. No. 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 For India. Ah, the one with the blue door thing. He spent yeah. five thousand rupees only for the entire set, and he made that Netflix special. Uh-huh. So fucking good. Yes. Yeah, so good. So yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, it's uh, it's the kind of uh, comedy I want to do, like yeah. to educate people your culture, yeah, and yeah. Uh, to make uh, to share your memories uh, with. Uh, the I think my favorite one from uh, is Hasan Minaj considered to be an Indian comedian. I mean, he's Indian American. I, I I think I like his Netflix special, Homecoming King. Yeah. Oh, it was so relatable. For yeah, me. <laughs> because it's like a story. Like, yeah, yeah. but I think uh, uh, that's a good special mm-hmm. but i think uh, he is not a great comedian as much as uh, weird does. oh really you think so uh, i think okay. that one is a good one but uh, in okay. general i think weird does is way weird more smart. Makes smart jokes yes. yeah 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 when indian comedy is very new the scene is what seven eight years old mm-hmm. uh, when i was growing up there was no concept of stand-up i mean there were some shows but those were like you know the kind of jokes you would share on a whatsapp family mm-hmm. group mm-hmm. that kind of jokes a real stand-up started like five six years ago mm-hmm. and um, it's still not seen as a good profession like mm-hmm. my parents don't see me doing this professionally they just mm-hmm. see see me doing this on side they still think that I, I should be keeping my corporate job 
And, of know, this course, is so only one year in. Yeah, right now, of course, I have to have my day job. Plus, yeah. I, I mean, in order to get a permanent residence, I have to have a full-time job. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, it's not seen as a great profession. And um, usually art is not seen as a great profession. Only doctors and engineers in yeah. Indian and Asian societies. Yeah. Like, all these fucking pressures. Of I, I watched the three ETAs. Oh, okay, you did? I like five times. Uh, so you basically know most, um, so much about it. It's very similar to China too. Mm. Like they don't care about your happiness. It's all about how big is the car, how big is the house, exactly. how much money you have. Everyone, the, the whole education is about making you the same. Yeah. And uh, work for the system, like to become this materialistic uh, trap. Making uh, make everyone in it. And they don't care about individualistic. Yeah. I think that was my biggest culture shock. So many people mm-hmm. here ask me, what do you want to become? Like, did you always want to become software developer? So, oh, I don't know. Nobody ever asked me this <laughs> question. What do I want to become? How did this software thing come to my head? Mm-hmm. I have no fucking clue. I think it was already imprinted in our heads that at 21 you graduate, then you do a corporate job. At 26 you get married. Like everything is pre-decided. Mm-hmm. I did not want that probably that's why I fucked up from India also mm-hmm. the fucking sexism mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I don't want to sound like a feminist bitch but <laughs> our fucking country like they don't treat women equally and, and also like uh, in because of the crime right like I, I when I was in India like girls they don't, they don't feel safe uh, after sun, sunset there's no woman on the street yeah yeah I mean I wouldn't walk around on my own at 10 p.m. in mm-hmm. India, stuff would happen. Stuff would happen. Doesn't matter if it's a huge city or a fucking village. Yeah. Like, the law is not that strict. Like there's so many fucking rape cases all the mm-hmm. time in India, and nobody does anything about it. The law is not good enough. I don't understand why there are so many rape when it's a religious. Because country. sex is a taboo in India. So people are sexually frustrated, mm-hmm. and uh, if you don't talk about sex openly, it's something like oh. What is it? I want to find out. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it but how about religion? Way. Like, uh, why religious people rapists? Oh yeah, the priests they they do that too. Yeah. <laughs> it's right there in the foundation. Yeah, people are religious, but that does not stop them from making you know being curious about oh what this what is this thing mm-hmm. when you don't talk about sex openly, mm-hmm. you're just more you get more curious about it. Mm-hmm. Are you a virgin? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. But, but is it something big for you to admit that you are not a virgin? Uh, for me, yeah, of course it is. I mean, I don't give a fuck, but my parents think I am a virgin. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just too unbelievable for them. Like, like I said, it is just like depression. They don't know that I have it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is an, in India, women have... You know, when they do an arranged marriage thing, you expect your wife to be pure. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, you, nobody expects you to be fucking around before. Do, do you, can you imagine yourself to date an Indian guy and marry an Indian guy? No, no, I can't. And uh, I'm too progressive for it. Is it something you changed after you come here or it's something in you already before? Yeah, it was, in, even in India I was dating this. Italian guy mm-hmm. and all that shit. So mm-hmm. I have dated Indian guy. Like my last long relate long, I mean, long term relationship was with an Indian. But then, yeah, the usual toxic people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was dating all these toxic guys, and uh, even if they are, you know, they're happy that their girlfriend has a job and she's been following her passion, doing her shit. They still want me to be very Indian, like cooking for you and doing all the chores and all that shit. So they have this image of a perfect ideal Indian woman, which I don't think I can yeah. ever fulfill. They are just like so entitled. Yeah. And uh, why? Why should I cook for you just because you have a penis? Okay. Like, uh, <laughs> we are we are equal, but they, they don't understand this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We're, if I make more money than my boyfriend, mm-hmm. then it's just, it's hurting his ego. He's not happy about it. Mm-hmm. But here... Nobody gives a fuck. Oh, my boyfriend loves that I Then he's like, can you pay more? Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's mm. the thing about people here. They mm. don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think it... 
I can understand like if there's some woman they they are not educated and uh, uh, there's uh, then the man takes care of the career the woman takes the care of the house yeah I think it's fair but how could it be fair like we both and the same amount of money we both uh, have a busy career life but you fear I should do more than you do exactly yeah uh, how how is it fair yeah but uh, I think um, in Asian countries in China um, many people don't understand it and uh, also the country I don't I don't know about India but in, in China they put such uh, mag magnificent glass on women and yeah, she yeah just it's, it's the same say all the negative things about them being so picky like even my my own mom she has a, a daughter and she's trying to fight my my equality with the family so much also she was trying to fight her own equality because she's the smartest kid in the family but uh, she's the only like a uh, she has two two brothers and uh, her father was like uh, saying she's not part of the family she got pissed and because she's a woman she couldn't uh, get the education and then she raised me and she raised me as if um uh, i'm i have the uh, same rights as as men and she gave me education she wants me to have the life she couldn't afford uh, she sent me abroad to get education in Europe and then I'm the first person who ever been outside of China uh, in the family I'm the first person yeah me too <laughs> yeah. I'm the first person who ever get a college level of education oh, okay. uh, and uh, I'm the first person who ever find a job in a corporate and uh, uh, my mom asked my grandpa if he's proud of me. He said, "Why? She's a woman." Oh, <laughs> like he's like, she's not my family. She's she's a woman. She's not my family. Why I should be proud? And oh my uh, and my uncle said, "Yeah, why she needs education? She's a woman. She get married, so she's not part of family. So like, this kind of misogynistic is just." so frustrating and my mom is like fighting for it for so many years then when she talk about other women she's so fucking mean <laughs> like yeah. my my cousin mm. my cousin both his parents are dead and my cousin is uh, like his family is really fucked up and uh, he was not educated and uh, he his family was so poor that he grow like eight centimeters taller when he was 28 years old because like he started to date his current uh, his wife okay. and uh, he moved into his wife's family and they give him like good food and when he was 28 years old he grew to 180 centimeter from 172 oh, that's how fucked up his family is and 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 his wife family like is really like a friendly really like loving okay. and uh, celebrate uh, holidays together and do nice things together also educated him to be polite to his own family and uh, uh, visit them regularly then you know my mom says what he said oh if if your cousin if his family is a little bit better he wouldn't uh, be matched with a girl like this it's not beautiful uh not good looking not yeah. so intelligent i was like what the fuck what do your cousin have besides a dick like <laughs> what he has like yeah. he's so lucky to find a family who's so nice to him and yeah. uh, they love each other the girl is the uh, my uh, he, his wife treat him like with so much love and care they're in such a loving relationship and his life totally changed because for his own family his dad like his dad still stole his money wow. his mom is like really crazy like in mental uh, hospitals and uh, they never had any like a uh, uh, how do you say uh, emotional connection it's really a fucked up family he never enjoyed any like uh, care and love in life and now he's with this wife and the extended family make him so happy and he grow eight centimeters at the age of 28 oh, <laughs> and my mom still said oh she's not good enough for 
them anymore. Really? But, yeah. I mean, for your class, probably. No, I but, mean, lot of even you know people with shitty professions can speak basic English, have basic education for ten mm-hmm. years and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people lack common sense mm-hmm. because you know. Like, oh my god, um, people are Islamophobic and they're so fucking religious that they're ready to kill for religion. I think it's also like the that. propaganda, like they're brainwashed over, over in extended And then period. they're poor, like there's mm-hmm. a lot of poor people in mm-hmm. India, so mm-hmm. even if you're educated, there's lack of employment, mm-hmm. you don't have the right job. It's like, I, <laughs> my pizza delivery guy in India has had a bachelor's degree in computer science. But he could not find a job. He I mean, how could he not be able to find a job as a software There's engineer? There's too many software engineers in India. Why not apply abroad? You need money to come abroad. Yeah, that's true. Like that's I came true. on a job seeker visa. I had to so mm-hmm. I had to show that I have six thousand euros in my bank account. Mm-hmm. That's so, a lot of money. That's a lot of money in Indian currency. Mm-hmm. So not right. everyone has the opportunity to do yeah. that. Yeah, those people. When you think you don't have privilege, you do. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, my parents are really educated. My mm-hmm. mom and dad both are professors. Mm-hmm. But when my sister was born, my mom still wanted to keep her job. But my dad was like, "Well, mm-hmm. I mean, don't I make enough money? What mm-hmm. do you want to work? Just sit home and take care of the." And kids. she did it. She did. Wow. She never got back to work. Wow. Yeah, she's so fucking educated. My dad and mom they went to the same university, but she did not work. She listened to her husband. And in in the end, they all expect the wives to listen to them, shit like that. But isn't it uh, sad from her point of view? It is. It is very much sad. Like, what did she do with her degree? Like, what's the point of getting so much education when you didn't do shit in your life? Like, you think really a Western way. Yeah. And and how is it? Why is that? You just come to Europe for one year. How did you make the mental switch so fast? <laughs> I think I was like this way before which is why i could not jail with people in india i was so too progressive how could you be so progra- uh, <laughs> progressive like, yeah uh, if you live in a society like that and you don't know better from your own family how did you be so different probably watching too much tv western culture and uh, you know seeing what's going like what my mom is going through Mm-hmm. Like she always wanted to work. She wanted to be an independent woman, and mm-hmm. she would cry about stuff. Mm-hmm. And she would share her feelings. Like, mm-hmm. No, this is wrong. She's just a human mm-hmm. with a good education. She's from a good background. She should be able to fulfill, chase her dreams, and fulfill mm-hmm. them. But she was never able to do it. And I was like, I'm never going to live this life. I'm mm-hmm. never going to go through the shit that my mom had to go when through. When did you have this uh, realization? I knew it right from the start. Like, when there was so much violence at home, like my mm. dad was beating me up, I was like, I don't want to ever have children, but if if I ever do, I'm never going to put my children through this shit. In the same way, like my mom, mom when she used to cry about, you know, not being able to do anything in her life, mm-hmm. that I, I knew it from my childhood that I'm never going to, you know, deal with this shit. I would always do whatever I want to do and not listen to people. How, how, when was that? How old were you? I was 15. Yeah. Wow. That's when I left my parents' house. Wow, that's really impressive yeah. at the age of 15. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I, I really like, uh, what's her name? I forgot. There's a, a girl, she escaped um, uh, North, uh, Northern Korea. North Korea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she made a speech. She said, yeah. like, uh, uh, sympathy uh, is it's not uh you don't have it by nature it's something you have to learn yeah and uh, mm, also like what's right and what's wrong you need to learn yeah we saw in, when you are in a very sick society uh especially your parents are not giving you the right guideline yeah. to be able to figure out what's right and what's wrong yeah. on your own at such a young age mm. that's really yeah I, I grew up religious like they've taught me to you know religion god is above everything and stuff mm-hmm. like that but when i left home i was like um, i don't think there's a god mm-hmm. because you know mm-hmm. there's so much shit happening around mm-hmm. i did not believe i like until 15 i, I used to mm-hmm. believe in god but after no when you were beaten did you try to talk with god <laughs> yeah i mean 
ki you have to believe in someone mm-hmm. like things mm-hmm. i would say things were easy mm-hmm. when i was a believer mm-hmm. but like you had someone that you go to all the time mm-hmm. but mm, well it did not improve my situation so mm-hmm. i stopped believing mm-hmm. yeah and uh, in india was you were my son was it easy to make friends no 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 like since i'm a very outgoing person you know it's easy to talk to me mm-hmm. i did have i do have a lot of friends but do i talk to them about how i feel mm-hmm. no i don't think because <laughs> you know, i was different from everyone like mm-hmm. i was too progressive for india mm-hmm. they still want this you know nice indian girl who doesn't who's still a virgin and mm-hmm. who, you know talks a certain way dresses a certain way mm-hmm. i was never going to do that so I can never marry an Indian guy. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was very difficult to make friends because you're always judged like I smoke, which mm-hmm. is a, you know, it's a bad thing for a woman to smoke in mm-hmm. India. Mm-hmm. So people are always judging and saying talking things about mm-hmm. you because you just because you smoke. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how can men smoke and be a nice guy? Mm-hmm. And when women smoke, she's a whore. So yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. like uh, this uh, i i just feel like growing up in a environment like so misogynistic you just forget like people in india they just don't understand what is fair what is unfair yeah. and there are so many burden put on women for for no reason like it's the people in india still believe that women get raped because of the way they dress mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm. Come on bro when there's some indian uncles like old in indian uncles i was watching this video where this guy says that uh see you can't clap with one hand the woman must also be giving some vibe which made the guy excited and you know he raped her she must have done something why why are women always blamed like why is this victim blaming culture in india oh it's horrible horrible mm. I was expecting a bit better in India. I don't know your culture, but That's I not. always think with religion is there's a little bit of guideline in it because in China they destroyed the religion. So I think lots of issue come up because of that. But I didn't know which religions people can also be asshole. I mean, there's so many religions that also like my parents are so fucking educated, but there's still slightly islamophobic i would say mm-hmm. a lot of people in india are islamophobic like people of my age mm-hmm. with the same educational background with the same family background are still islamophobic i i that's a thing like you, you might have an education but so many people lack common sense mm-hmm. so there was this guy who was carrying beef like beef was banned in india because hindus don't eat beef yeah and there was this guy who was carrying beef and he was some hindus murdered him in train mm-hmm. and same goes for the hindus hindus and muslims like they are always killing each other and shit mm-hmm. happening so i really can't say if religion is a good thing mm-hmm. it was meant to be a good thing but mm-hmm. then it's not anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> so wow that's heavy yeah, yeah. and over time how did you, did you have any ways to deal with all the trauma you had not really i i would say that i still haven't dealt with it i'm still sleeping at 3 or 4 in the morning for the last mm-hmm. 10 years and you know hiding my emotions um <laughs> for all the mental illness the foundation is really really try to sleep nicely like at least 7 to 8 hours per night 7 to 8 hours yes Jesus. and uh, really really highly recommend the book why we sleep Uh, it's a book uh, by Masu Walker. Uh, he is a sleep scientist at uh, Harvard University. He did lots of research about uh, sleep. Turns out, uh, it's the foundation for you to be for human to be mentally uh, healthy, because uh, every night when you sleep, your brain does lots of things to reprocess the information to your emotions for you to be easier to accept it. and also to restore your memory and also to get rid of the toxic protein in your brain okay. and the, the if you don't sleep enough the pro, uh, protein just uh, accumulates and over time uh, <laughs> you you are have higher re- uh, chance to get a dementia or uh, alzheimer really? yeah and uh, so really like uh, working on your sleep and uh, um It's easy to say but hard to do especially for some people who have years of uh, insomnia 
it's very hard to say okay i will sleep and uh, but it's hard you can go to see your uh, see a psychiatrist they have this uh, uh, different types of medication for long-term purpose okay. uh, non-addictive non-toxic and uh, can help you to really go to get into a right sleep pattern and uh, once you can sleep nicely uh, in one week you become a new person okay yeah. do you think uh, depression affects your comedy in a good way mm. uh, I think yes I, I do feel that uh, uh, the most um, productive the most uh, good stuff I wrote I will uh, when I was really depressed okay like uh, when I get it out a little bit like uh, become mentally more stable I also become less creative and does it make you nervous to talk about all these personal things in front of 100 strangers um, I think uh, there's different type of people uh, with mental illness uh, there's people like you you don't like to share yeah. Uh, but for me, I like to overshare. Okay. So for me, it's like finally free therapy. Listen to me. <laughs> I've been ignored my whole life. Now is my chance. Listen to me. I know. I know how. That's exactly how I felt when I spoke about uh, molestation. Like that joke bombed real hard. Oh, what uh, what a joke? Can you tell uh, us? <laughs> it's it's super personal. I was talking about getting molested uh-huh. at a very young age, and yeah, it was a shitty joke. Uh-huh. Um, I knew that I'm not ready to do this joke, mm-hmm. but I was like, no, I haven't spoken about it. So mm-hmm. I am going to talk about mm-hmm. it now. Although it bombed, I was super nervous. I was mm-hmm. sweating, and I couldn't sleep that night. But it was, you know, it was that was the first time I felt validated. It was I was free. Mm-hmm. I spoke about it finally in front of all these strangers, so now I can talk about it openly. Yeah. Once you do it, you're just like, yeah. Then, then the shame like shame yeah. gets away yeah so you feel more free yeah i i really can resonate with that i i think i already talked about my parents whatever it's something i only start to feel comfortable to talk like around two years ago because i i was hiding for so long and then there's another thing shamed me so much uh so when i was but i come to europe to study I was in Netherlands for my bachelor study. It was the it was really hard uh, because very expensive, and I couldn't. I was not really allowed to do any like a part job okay. outside of the uh, school. But then I legally uh, did uh, some part time job at the massage okay. salons, okay. and then there are lots of powers, <laughs> and uh, they it's lots of drama, and it's something. As soon as I moved out of Holland, I never told anyone about this memory because it's so humiliating because the environment is is not right. They try to corrupt you. And I did so many efforts to not make myself to be part of that thing. But every time when people think, when, I, when they think about the massage, they think about something yeah, um, yeah. nasty <laughs> yeah. and they make this kind of joke and for me it's such a like a uh, insult because I tried so much like I really really use all my energy to stay uh, not corrupted stay uh, with my principle and then you make this kind of nasty jokes so I decided never talk about it but um, I think around six months ago I went to a comedy workshop we we uh, on stage we had an assignment to describe a weird um, uh, job experience we had and I act out the massage shop job oh, that's cool. and uh, then I realized oh for 10 years I was never able to to admit I I did a job like this mm-hmm. and uh, now comedy helped me to 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 just open it yeah I, I, I feel free yeah, yeah, me too. Like, I do this joke about my father saying that uh, mm. like, so many men want me to call them daddy in mm. bed. But mm. I, unless you slap me on my face for mm. not scoring an A in maths, I don't feel it. <laughs> I will only call you daddy if you don't love me back no matter how hard I try. <laughs> <laughs> so, this joke mm. has always worked, <laughs> but there's pain 
in this joke I, like I can feel it word by word people are just laughing and I'm like oh this is this is all true this is my childhood but but it's good now it's liberating can, yeah you can you can at least say it out loud that yeah, uh, yeah. what happened to you even with the, with the molestation i say that yeah, i'm big i'm so good at sex because i started out very young <laughs> oh man <laughs> that joke has bombed so many times and I'm, i'm okay i'm not ready for this joke i need to write a better premise yeah but i still got it out in the open so mm-hmm. it was a milestone like a personal milestone for mm-hmm. me uh, okay i can talk about it now mm-hmm. Uh you know like I I was really quite annoyed when I first saw you because you took away my market. You know before <laughs> you there's no like a real Asian, Asian comedian, yeah. a female comedian and there's uh, two other girls but they are they grew up in the west. So yeah. I'm the only female Asian comedian actually from Asia and uh, there's no Indian female comedian. So Indians treat me as they are, like they are also my fan base okay. and now you come you took away half of like 80% of my half fan base because actually chinese people don't watch comedy because they they are they are full of full sense of humor so and then you come you take away my my fan base i was like ah, ah, ah. then i what you what do you you do i was like oh she's funny and she's fuck up i like it <laughs> <laughs> that's a common base we are equally yeah. fucked up <laughs> yeah 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 i i think like we are fuck up in different ways yeah but yeah. Uh, like uh, um you is like a violence uh domestic uh, violence yeah. for me it's uh, the shame like being poor and the uh, yeah. discrimination but uh, together we have uh, the discrimination for women <laughs> and we have low self esteem we oh. have uh, issues for intimacy yeah i think you are indian coffee of me <laughs> <laughs> by that logic you should earn less money than i do oh but you do earn more money because you are software engineer <laughs> <laughs> one good thing came out of my parents forcing me to take up engineering although they wanted me to take up medicine but I was not good enough. But the engineer is uh, already second best option. Yeah. Those are the two options basically. Mm. Right. So how how did you start to do comedy? Um well I was only 2 months old in Berlin. Mm-hmm. I moved here last year in October. Mm-hmm. And in December I went to Laughing Spring just mm-hmm. by myself. Mm-hmm. And I saw Drago Not last year, the year before last year, right? Yeah, I mean 2019. Yeah. 2019. 2020 it did happen. It happened. It happened. <laughs> Nothing happened. So, mm. I went to Laughing Spree two times yeah. and I saw Dragosh and Chris and I was like, "Oh my god, they're talking so much personal shit. I want to be this guy." Like Dragosh is the reason I started comedy. It's on him. Oh my god, I want to be that guy. He's so fucking cool. Yeah. And he would just ask people, "Where are you from?" and then he would just say some stereotype and people would be like, "Oh, this is so funny." And Okay, I want to do that. Uh-huh. This is funny, and slowly and I started talking more and more personal shit. And personal jokes are usually, you know, they hit hard. Yeah, uh, people yeah. Re- can relate to it, but yeah. they are not sure if they should laugh at it. <laughs> We're normalizing dark comedy. Oh, yeah. this is so good. Uh-huh. Comedy is the best thing ever. Uh-huh. The best thing that I've. happened to me. Did you know comedy? Like did you watch comedy before that? I mean, I did watch a few Indian comedians. Mm. I knew Veerdas, I mm. knew um Bilber and you Dave Chappelle. Mm. But um I was no, I wasn't into comedy. Like I didn't know anything mm. to be fair. Like, comedy in um, in India is so new. Mm-hmm. So you just watch a few YouTube clips, but you never get into it. I, mm. I never saw myself getting into comedy or doing mm. shit. But when I saw Dragos, like, he was the first real comedian that I saw in my life. So I was mm. like, "Oh, this this really sounds cool. I I want to do this." But before uh, doing that, I was watching this um, documentary on Prime. It is about Just for Laughs, mm-hmm. and uh, there was this uh, female comedian uh, who was in an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, goes to the stage and she says about talks about her abusive alcoholic boyfriend, and she said he was too drunk to land a punch. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, that is so personal, and people can do all this shit on stage. Uh-huh. It's free therapy. Why yeah. not? Yeah, that's, that's why I started comedy just to be able to talk about things that I've never spoken about. That's really great. Besides, uh, you do you see yourself uh, any like a uh, change due to this? Definitely massive mm-hmm. improvement in my self esteem. Mm-hmm. It was 
extremely low <laughs> now it's just you know i'm happy like after 29 years 28 years of my life i can finally say that i am happy mm-hmm. like i'm doing so much better than i was doing before like i i'm still fucked in the head i still have the issues that i haven't dealt with but at least i'm doing something about it now mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. so many years that's really great yeah and uh, do you have like a some dark period you just feel you you cannot get out of bed feel really horrible having a bad day sure i mean i'm never getting my childhood back uh-huh. it was so yeah. fucked up it was so fucking i'm jealous of kids who have nice parents and yeah. everything yeah. like i hear people talk to them mom for like one hour like my calls with my parents last for like 11 seconds 21 seconds just weather corona cases how are you doing i would say yeah i'm fine like every day the same shit and people talk to the parents for hours and discuss things and wow i'm a little jealous like, i want to be loved i want to you know have that emotional support system but i can never have it i know that i i understand the feeling yeah. like it's there's a inner child of you yeah um you fear she uh, never be able to grow up yeah. because she will be forever lack of the love and the care yeah, and attention i'm never getting deserve. that in my life like yeah. love of your parents or your friends have to be mm. you know liked uh, at school mm. you know just having a normal childhood mm. I I actually have a nice story. I I know a girl in Ch- back in China. Okay. She had the same feeling and the one day she realized uh like the the little girl in her was not treated nicely, was hopeless, helpless. Uh but now she's a grown up. She can treat that girl. So what she did is she started to revisit her childhood memories. for example get the textbook from childhood and just do it oh. like the chat and uh, um just treat the girl nicely and make her feel secure and loved so you can be your own parent <laughs> i know i know it sounds sounds nice but it takes a lot of courage I to know. think about all these things that all the shit that happened to you also my relationship choices mm-hmm. Yeah. me dating toxic people and yeah. I'm just ruining myself in the course yeah. of healing others. Yeah. I don't know why it is like it is because of the fucking low self-esteem. I date all these toxic people, heal them and feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, you want to cure them. Yeah. Like you just anyone who's in in trouble in life, you just want to throw yourself in and help yeah. them. Yeah. So you feel, "Oh my god, I am useful. I yeah, have a purpose exactly. in life." Exactly. That's exactly like me. <laughs> when you have never been validated in your life mm-hmm. it gives a sense of validation mm-hmm. do this yeah. Yeah. but uh, it's a long way to go but at least yeah. now you know your issue have started yes yeah, yeah. yes you work on your sleep issue yeah you go to look for therapist yeah and uh, they will become the you talk more on stage mm-hmm. you'll be okay in <laughs> in some years some years <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah it's like it's a long journey you cannot expect that uh, uh you go to see a therapy once and everything is solved yeah. it's a long years years of uh, journey yeah. but uh doing every step you feel better than than previously when i see other comedians and realize that oh they're equally fucked up there's no sense of shame like i think that's why i want to be friends with comedians because you can relate you have a common factor you're all fucked in the head yeah. so, there's no shame you're fucked yeah that's fucked. that's really nice because yeah. like uh, i think talking with comedian really helps with the shame part because uh, uh before i had comedy i only hung out with people who's in corporate world and in the university they are all the same uh i started business So it's a bunch of people who don't have dream, who don't have any like uh, individualistic mind. They just want money. They go to business school, they graduate, they find a good job, they buy a car, they get a big house, they get married and uh, they're bored with life and they get a ch- child. So it's very hard to tell those people that oh, I don't like my job. I I feel suicidal and my life is a mess. They're like, "Oh, I want to buy a 2000 euro bag. So it's like you are not talking on the same level. Yeah, yeah. But with comedians, yeah, they're like just real people. Like comedians are yeah. totally honest. I mean, yeah. I like how they look so cute and nice mm-hmm. and happy and harmless, mm-hmm. but in the inside they're all fucked up. 
I, I, I think it's, I don't think like all comedians are fucked up, but I think uh, most people are fucked up in a way, especially our current uh, like uh, society. Many people, they raise in the way they don't uh, have any real dreams, but follow this matis materialistic life. Yeah. But the comedians are like, um, they, they are those people who admit this is something yeah. wrong. Yeah. And uh, they and when we are all together, there's a strength in numbers. We feel yeah. safe to yeah. admit the the shame or the pain. Normally, people would hide. Yeah. I think comedians are just those people who's willing to talk. Yeah. But I think uh, miserable miserable people are everywhere. Yeah, it's mm. just easy to talk to comedians. Yeah. So we understand how the other what the other person yeah. is going through. Yeah. So you think you uh, continue to do comedy? Oh, definitely. Now this is a serious career choice. Mm -hmm. I have to have my job for mm -hmm. staying in this country, but eventually I'm going to take this professionally. Mm -hmm. Do you do you plan to uh, go back to India? To no, do no, never, never, never. Mm -hmm. In India, there's no freedom of speech, so mm -hmm. there's no point in doing comedy. Like you do just just basic material and you know, flight jokes or stupid mm -hmm. shit like that. So so you want to stay in Europe? Yeah. Uh, and uh, to eventually be professional comedian. Yes. Oh, cool. <laughs> Maybe we can like uh, tour together. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. like uh, Asian power. <laughs> we cover, like uh, we cover the audience of uh, like uh, one third of the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we can have a huge fan base. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 1.3 billion people, Jesus Christ. 1.3 billion people too. Uh, this is like a one at least like thirty five percent of the world population. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Like yeah. really. <laughs> we should do that. How how when will you want to do that? Like when where is your timeline to do it uh, uh, professionally? Do you I have mean, a goal? Yeah, in the next three years, I would you know I I mean I've just had six months of stage time. So <laughs> in the next three years, I'm expecting me to be comfortable with silence because mm. right now I'm not at all like people like now they do you know all this storytelling and in the mm. end they give mm. a punchline I can never do that mm. I'm still not comfortable with it for mm. me it is very important to hear a laughter every mm. 20 seconds so I just do self-esteem issue yeah I have to hear those laughter there. I need validation mm. please give that to me you know uh, Dev Champagne sometimes he, he for one minute two minutes there's no joke yeah. Oh God. <laughs> He's a fucking legend. <laughs> he just confident of yeah. what he does. I find him. I find him a little intimidating. I'm a little scared mm. of him. Like mm. if I see him on stage, he demands attention. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't dare to look at my phone or do other uh. shit when he's talking. Like, uh -huh. He has a commanding voice. Uh -huh. Yeah. I I don't think I have all that now. Uh -huh. So in the next three years, I'm going to develop some skills and know comedy and all the science behind comedy because uh -huh. I don't know shit uh -huh. but yeah let's tour uh, do you ever read comedy books yeah yeah I read this uh, book about um, what's the word, a book called mm, it's right there serious uh, guide to joke writing oh, okay okay that's yeah. a good one it is a good one I wouldn't say that it helped me write mm. my jokes but it was a nice insight to know like how your you know, channeling your thought process, mm -hmm. how to think of a joke, mm -hmm. like read a newspaper and pick yeah. jokes from there. Yeah, I really nice. recommend to read comedy books, um, especially like we are outside of this comedy culture. Yeah. Uh, lots of books, they give you different examples and different names, then you can check the classics. Because we didn't grow up in this culture, we don't yeah. know what is yeah. classic. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, really nice to inform ourselves. Like it's so weird mm. for me when I see a 15 year old doing stand up, 18 year old doing stand up. Like people in New York, like I met this guy who's 18 and he's doing stand up. What? At 18, I did not know what fucking stand up is. You're so fucking lucky and you have other career choices. I think that Champagne starts 13 or something. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that's my favorite special. Um, Equanimity and the bird revelation. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was so good. That was so fucking good. Uh huh. So that's your favorite comedy special. Yeah. Um. Also, I'm. <laughs> Eddie Murphy's was also really nice. Mm -hmm. But last year's uh, favorite was definitely Mark Norman. Mm -hmm. Out to lunch. That was my favorite special. What's uh, What's it about? Um. Out to lunch. It was just you know a bunch of pedophilia jokes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. but 
Yeah, Mark Norman is so cool. He's right now he's my favorite comedian. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay, cool. I will write it on the screen so the audience know what exactly we are talking about. Yeah. Okay. Cool. It's uh, super nice to have you on the podcast. Same here. And uh, I'm very happy Pleasure. you opened. You opened <laughs> to us yeah. and uh, to the audience. Thank you so much. This was good. Free therapy again. Woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I hope uh, audience if you have a sleeping issue, please go to see a psychiatrist, get some And medication. don't drink coffee after 5 p.m. she said. No, don't drink coffee after noon. Oh my god. It's uh, okay. it's uh, it's bad for you. Okay. And I hope you sleep nice, uh, do regular exercise and eat uh, healthily and having a healthy life. See you next episode. Love you guys. Bye bye.